Welcome to Full Armor Radio. This is John O'Rourke with Full Armor Ministries. This is the podcast ministry for Full Armor Ministries, uh, where I'll go through some apologetics, some review some of my evangelism efforts with people that I've recorded, and that sort of thing. Deal with current events and so on and so forth. So if you've never heard of Full Armor Ministries, and this is the first time you've heard about it, you can go to our website. It's fullarmorministries.org, and armor is spelled the British way with a U, so that's A-R-M-O-U-R. So fullarmorministries.org, and on there you can learn about what ministries we do, as well as how you can become a financial partner. So today's topic is going to be about worldviews and defending the Bible especially and particularly the supernatural events recorded in the Bible. A lot of times Christians don't know what to do when an atheist uh, brings up miracles in the Bible, and sometimes Christians are even ashamed um, or feel a little bit silly when trying to defend them. And so we're going to talk about that, how to deal with that, um, and really what it comes down to, which is worldviews. So when we're dealing with that sort of question, um, oftentimes an atheist may say something like, well, I, don't, I just can't believe that um, somebody was swallowed by a big fish and then vomited out. I can't believe that somebody walked on water. I can't believe somebody turned water into wine. I can't believe somebody raised was raised from the dead, so on and so forth. We say those are ridiculous, silly fairy tales. That's the type of thing that we hear sometimes from atheists. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is, is how to deal with that sort of thing. So the first things first, we need to talk about what worldviews are. Because when somebody is um, saying something is ridiculous or saying something is absurd, they're doing that based upon their worldview. So let me explain. A worldview has often been explained as if it's like glasses, like a worldview lens. So for example, if I had glasses that had red, red tinted lenses, everything I see around me would be a shade of red. If you wear glasses that have blue tinted shades, then everything you see around you would be blue tinted. Now you and I would be living and looking at the same world, but everything we see will be filtered through those lenses. So in reality, if you're wearing blue-colored glasses, um, not everything is actually a shade of blue, but that's how you're seeing it because everything is being filtered through those lenses. So the same way um, with a worldview is that we all live in the same world. Christians and atheists live in the same world. We have the same evidences in the sense that we're looking at the same things all around us but we interpret them very differently. And the reason we interpret them differently is because of our worldview lens, so to speak. So when the atheist approaches the concept of miracles, like Jesus turning water into wine, for example, he looks at that and says, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. Why? Why does he say that? Because he's already approached this with the worldview assumption of naturalism or anti-supernaturalism. So his worldview does not allow for miracles, therefore they are absurd to him because of his worldview. Now from a Christian worldview, is it illogical to have Jesus do miracles, to have God do supernatural things? Of course not. 
It's not illogical at all. The worldview, our Christian worldview, um, it just says that God is almighty. He's the creator of all things. So it's not illogical or a problem from our worldview to see that God can do miracles, that he su can suspend the natural uh, laws of physics that he has placed in the world. He can suspend those for a time and on rare occasions, and he has. See, from our worldview, we look at it through a worldview lens of an almighty God who can do what he pleases. Well, it's not a problem at all. It's not irrational. It actually makes perfect sense within a Christian worldview. But if you approach the, the idea of miracles with the assumption of atheism, the assumption of anti-supernaturalism, well, then you're going to think it's absurd. You're going to look at that and say, this is impossible. So a good question to ask the atheist when he... Um, says, you know, why, you know, he says something like, you know, miracles are absurd. I can't believe that you actually accept the idea that Jesus turned water into wine or that he walked on water, etc. Well, a good question is, is to ask them simply, why don't you believe in miracles? Why don't you believe in these miracles? And oftentimes their answer will be something like, well, I have never, I don't have any evidence that miracles happen. I have never seen a miracle happen. Okay, so one one way to kind of reduce that argument, uh, kind of to absurdity, to bring it down to its logical conclusion, is really to ask them. Um, so you think that the only things that are true are the things that you have experienced? Okay. Now, oftentimes, if you ask that question, they're they're going to say no if they're thinking, because that's quite a foolish way to think. In our limited years on earth, say you're talking to somebody who's 30 years old, he would have to be saying that the only things that exist are the things that he has experienced in his 30 years and in his local area where he has lived his life, where he has gone here and there. So to say that miracles can't happen or haven't happened because you never experienced them is rather an ignorant way to approach it. But what they'll probably say is, well, Miracles can't happen. We don't have any evidence that they've ever happened. Okay? Well, that's what we call a prejudicial conjecture. So prejudicial meaning it's a prejudgment, something that they haven't actually examined the facts. They've already made up their mind beforehand and then just are saying it. It's a conjecture. They're just asserting it as if it were true without making an argument for it. So when they say, well, we have no evidence that miracles have happened, it's just patently a false statement. Um, because they're already disregarding the biblical evidence that miracles have taken place. For example, um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians there were over 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Christ who saw him after he rose from the dead. Does that count? That doesn't count as any evidence when you have that many eyewitnesses? But see, from their worldview, the Bible can't be true. They've already asserted it, they've already assumed it. And therefore, that's not even on the table. Good example is I had a friend, and when, when we were in college, he had a professor. And the professor said, the Bible is false because we know that people did not ride on camels until such a sh and such a such year. And he said, but the Bible says that Abraham rode on camels way before this year. He said, so therefore, the Bible is false. So he said, we know that people only rode on camels later, and the Bible says that Abraham rode on camels earlier. Now, it's kind of a strange argument, but it's also um, 
extremely fallacious. It's a logical fallacy to think that way. What he's already done, he's, he has a presupposition that the Bible is false, so he is not even considering the fact that the Abrahamic um, historical record found in the Bible could possibly be true. He's already disregarded it. He's saying, well, we have these external historical evidences that aren't in the Bible. So you have these other historical records of people um, riding on camels. But he's already totally disregarded the possibility that, Abra that the Bible provides a historical record that would actually date camel riding earlier than what these other records say. You see? So he's already um, rejected the idea that um, the Bible is true out of hand without exploring any evidences. And this is what our worldview does. We're looking at these things, but we already have these presuppositions. Um, for example, the atheist has a presupposition of anti-supernaturalism. So therefore, he's going to find anything that claims to be supernatural utterly absurd. Because his worldview doesn't allow for it. His worldview does not allow for miracles, supernatural, for God, anything like that. Now, the question is, is his worldview a rational worldview? Are the lenses that he's wearing rational? Because, of course, from the Christian worldview, it's not a problem. Miracles are not a problem because we don't approach miracles from an atheistic position. We're not, we're not looking at miracles with the presumption of atheism or the presumption of naturalism. We approach miracles as told in the Bible from a Christian worldview, a supernaturalist Christian worldview. And with a supernaturalist Christian worldview, there's really no problem logically you know, with the idea that God, who is almighty, according to our worldview, can do miracles. That's really not a problem. But I'm saying that the reason it's a problem to the atheists is because their worldview does not allow for miracles. They've already approached the Bible with the assumption of atheism and naturalism. And that's the reason why they view it that way. On the other hand, you know, Christians, faithful Christians who believe the Bible and believe Genesis in the Bible, um, we'll look at Darwinian evolution and say, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. Well, why do we do that? Well, because our Christian worldview makes us interpret these things and filters these things out through our worldview lenses. And our worldview um, will reject the idea of Darwinian evolution because it is contradictory to Scripture's account of creation. And that's the reason why we think it's ridiculous. So we think Darwinian evolution is absurd. And they say it's not absurd, but the atheists will look at us and say, we think miracles are absurd. And we'll say they're not absurd. Okay? So it really comes down to our worldview lenses. So the argument you want to give to atheists is really an argument of which worldview is rational and which one is irrational. Or in other words, which worldview is true and which worldview is false. So it comes down to this. You've got to analyze the worldviews, the lenses that we're looking at. Because we have the same world, but we have different lenses. The atheist and the Christian have very different lenses by which they interpret the world. So, what you do as the Christian apologist is that you are there to demonstrate that their worldview lens is irrational. That their worldview is irrational and doesn't actually um, fit with the reality of the world. We're going to demonstrate that it's arbitrary meaning it has no reasons, has no, um, they haven't been able to give a rationale or a reason for what they believe, making it arbitrary, making it irrational. And um, we also want to show how they commit logical fallacies um, when they reason.
So for example, uh, earlier today I was speaking with a very intelligent, um, very pleasant atheist. Um, she was she actually understood the issues um, between atheism and Christianity pretty well. Uh, it's a, it was uh, refreshing to speak to somebody who understands the issues. So we were discussing a few things, but one of the things we discussed was uh, morality, the, um, the presence of absolute universal moral standards. Um, for example, I asked her, why is it that it is wrong for us to murder people? Cold-blooded murder, just somebody pulling out a gun and shooting somebody at random. Okay? I asked her that question, and over time, she ultimately said, well, I don't have an answer to that. I really can't say why it's wrong. I know we shouldn't do it. She said, I know we shouldn't do it. She said, um, I'm not really sure why. I can't really give a reason why. I just know that we shouldn't. So in other words, she was saying it's wrong because it's wrong, Okay, which is very circular. Um, it's an arbitrary way of reasoning, meaning she hasn't actually answered the question. She just said it's wrong because it is, which is not to give a reason at all. It's actually to be unreasonable or irrational in this way. So we talked about that, how her worldview can't account for morality, um, and therefore it's irrational in that way. It's arbitrary. So when somebody's arbitrary, that equals being irrational. Because what arbitrary means is that you don't you have any reasons. You haven't given a reason. Or, or in other words, it's unreasonable. Or when you're arbitrary, you haven't given a rationale. Or in other words, it's irrational. So basically all somebody is saying is, is, I think it's this way because I think it's this way. They haven't given any reasons for you to believe that. They just say it is because it is. And if we allowed arbitrariness, then we could, quote unquote, prove anything we can conceive of in our minds. Somebody could say, the whole world was created by a flying pink unicorn. Well, do you have any reasons to believe that? No. If I could be arbitrary, I could just say it is because it is. It's true because it's true. And that's not a reason. It's actually just totally irrational. Okay? It doesn't comport with the laws of logic. It doesn't comport with rationality. It's actually irrational. And she, who was intellectually honest, which was great, um, she admitted that, uh, that, her, that and when it comes to morality, she's irrational. She's arbitrary with it. Which means that her worldview cannot account for it cannot account for morality. It can't account for um, why there are absolute moral standards in the world, like don't murder. But she did say something interesting to me. She said, "I just think that we should treat others the way we want to be treated." Well, I pointed out to her that um, that's from my worldview. Jesus said that. That doesn't actually make sense with an atheistic worldview because it doesn't answer the question. Well, why should we do that? Why is it that we should treat others the way we want to be treated? Why does it matter? That's the question that she couldn't answer. That's the question that no atheist has ever been able to answer without running around in a circle. I spoke with an atheist last week, and she said to me, it's wrong to murder people because it causes people pain. Okay, well, that doesn't answer the question at all. It's just moving from here to here. Why is it wrong to murder people? Because it causes people pain. Well, why is it, why is it wrong to cause people pain? Well, she says, trying to cause people pain because it hurts them. There's really no difference between these things. She doesn't answer the question. Why is it wrong to hurt people? Well, because we don't want to be hurt by other people. Okay, so she's appealing to the golden rule, not from her worldview, but from mine. But why is it that we should treat people 
the way we want to be treated. Well, from an atheistic worldview, um, there really is no answer to that question. Why is it that we shouldn't murder one another? They can give pragmatic reasons, but they're ultimately saying we shouldn't do it. They can say, well, you know, we don't want people murdering us, so we shouldn't murder people. Again, appealing to the so-called golden rule that Jesus taught. So not from their worldview, but from mine. So why is it from a Christian worldview that we shouldn't murder people? It's rather simple. Um, God said. God said not to. Thou shalt not murder. He's the creator of all human beings. He has given them a moral law by which they are supposed to abide. He's given them a conscience to know about it, a natural law. And that's about it. It's pretty simple. Makes a lot of sense. Why is it that we all know that we shouldn't just go around slapping little kids? Well, we have a conscience that God gave us. It's wrong. It's objectively wrong and against God's standards. Well, the atheist will say, well, that's just arbitrary yourself. You're just saying that the Bible's true because it's true. And that is simply false. That is not the argument of the presuppositionalist like myself. That is not the argument. The argument is not the Bible's true because it says it's true. The argument is not the Bible is God's word because it says the word of God. That's not the argument. Now, of course, if the Bible didn't say it was the word of God, then we'd have no reason to believe it was the word of God. Of course, it has to make that claim, which of course it does. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is God-breathed. Okay, so the Bible is God's word. That's the claim that the Bible makes. But that's not where the argument ends. It's a very important second part of the argument, which is that the Bible is true because it's impossible for it not to be true. That's the argument. It is the ultimate argument. It is overarching in all areas of life. The Bible is true because of the impossibility of the contrary. In other words, the Bible is true because it's impossible for it not to be true. Well, how so? How do you explain this to the atheist? Well, you've gone over morality with them. They can't explain it. So we're saying that, let's examine the Bible. You either accept the Bible as God's word or you don't. Those are the only options. You either accept it or you don't. So if you reject the Bible, if you reject the Bible as God's word, it says it's God's word. If you reject the claim that the Bible is God's word, then you are left with arbitrariness when it comes to morality. You are left with arbitrariness when it comes to morality. You cannot say why anything is wrong or anything is right. So in other words, you can't say you ought to do this or you ought not to do that. You can't say you ought to be kind to people. You can't say you ought not to hit people. Those are all, um, those all require a standard by which to judge what's right from wrong, morally speaking. Well, the atheist has no answer. Like I said earlier, I spoke to atheists recently, one even this morning, who said that she can't give an answer why things are right or wrong. Why is it wrong to murder? She doesn't know. She can't give a reason. There's really no reason. She just says it is wrong because it is wrong. Okay. In other words, completely arbitrary. Or in other words, there's no reason. Or in other words, it's unreasonable. Or in other words, irrational. So, if you reject the Bible as the word of God, you're left with arbitrariness and irrationality. Okay? So that's not possible. Okay? The the world your worldview with the the fact, you know, moral absolutes do exist. A worldview that can't account for them is a self-contradictory worldview. She, this atheist girl, very intelligent girl, she said things are wrong 
murder is wrong, but she can't tell you why. So her worldview can't account for why it's wrong. She just knows why it's wrong. Okay, she just says, I know because I know. Okay, so she's trying to account for it, but her worldview doesn't. So she's, she really ultimately has to borrow from mine to prop up her atheism. You see? So if she rejects the Bible, then what she gets is arbitrariness or irrationality. On the other hand, if she accepts the Bible, then you have this very simple answer of why are there universal moral absolutes? Well, the answer is because God created all people and made a moral law and wrote it on their hearts. That simple. Not a very difficult question to answer from a Christian worldview. But if you reject the Christian worldview, then you are left with arbitrariness, irrationality, which means it can't be true. That worldview, atheism cannot be true because it cannot account for what we call the preconditions of intelligibility. It's like a mouthful, but the preconditions, meaning the conditions we need before anything is understandable or intelligible. So we're asking really what, what worldview can account for the preconditions of intelligibility, or in other words, what worldview can account for the conditions we need before we can understand the world? Well, one major aspect of the world that I've been talking about is morality. Why is it wrong to murder one another? That's the preconditions of intelligibility is the fact is the um, is morality. It's one of the preconditions of intelligibility. Why is it wrong to murder, for example? From an atheistic worldview, there is no answer to that question. They're going to be walking contradictions. The atheist is a walking contradiction because they say it's wrong, but their worldview can't account for why it is. In fact, in their worldview, there is no place for justice consistently with their worldview. Atheists do have an understanding of justice, and they do have an understanding of right from wrong, but that doesn't fit in with their worldview. Their worldview is of utter meaninglessness, and there is no value in human life from a Darwinian, evolutionist, atheistic perspective. There's no true value in it. Um, there's nothing that would stop us from killing one another like animals kill one another. Nothing to stop us from the worldview. But atheists are inconsistent because they know, like this girl I talked to today, we shouldn't go around killing each other. Her worldview can't tell her why, so she has to borrow from mine. We should treat others the way we want to be treated. That's what she told me, which is exactly, exactly right. We really should. But that's from my worldview, from the Christian worldview, Jesus taught that. That does not arise from the atheistic worldview, you see. Another uh, area, precondition of intelligibility, is the area of the uniformity of nature. I spoke with this girl about this this morning as well. Uniformity of nature, the idea, um, the fairly the fact that nature is uniform and will remain uniform in the future. Uh, Greg Bonson called this argument the toothpaste argument for the existence of God. And what he meant by that is all of us, you know, we, we open up the tube of toothpaste, a brand new tube, and we squeeze it. We expect toothpaste to come out of that tube. So the question is, why do we expect when we, you know, brush our teeth tonight, when we squeeze that toothpaste, why do we expect toothpaste to come out of that tube? Everybody I've asked, and as the only answer that really anybody ever gives, is, well, I've had that experience in the past. Every time I've squeezed an open bottle, a new tube of toothpaste, toothpaste always comes out. That's how the laws of physics work. 
Okay, so they say it will happen tonight because it's always happened that way in the past. That's their argument. The problem with that argument is actually it's a fallacy. It's a logical fallacy called begging the question. Arguing from the past to the future is begging the question. Bertrand Russell, the prominent atheist, actually recognized this as a problem in philosophy. He recognized this as a logical fallacy to argue from the past to the future. And the one way you can demonstrate very clearly for people to show them why it's a fallacy is to argue like this. If I tell you, I will never die, and you say, well, prove it. And I say, I'll never die because I've never had that experience in the past. I'll never die because I've always lived in the past, in my experience. See, that's a fallacy. Just because that's my experience in the past doesn't mean that will be the experience in the future. Okay? So why is it that we expect toothpaste to come out of the tube when we squeeze it in the future? It's actually a much bigger question than it may lead on initially. So what's the answer? From the atheist, it's going to be arbitrary. It's going to be actually begging the question, fallacy. Um, not a valid answer. Okay, not a sound answer uh, to the question. So how can the Christian answer that and not commit the fallacy? How can we know that the future will resemble the past when it comes to nature being uniform? Well, again, it's rather simple. From a Christian worldview, we stand on the Bible as the foundation of our worldview. Um, the Bible says that God puts a uniformity in nature. Genesis 8.22, for example, talks about how there will be days, uh, day and night, seasons, harvest, um, you know, that sort of thing. We can expect the sun to rise, the sun to go down. We can expect this desk to remain a desk. We can expect things to remain uniform because God has promised it to us. So, again, we're appealing to our worldview. Our worldview, the Christian worldview, is the only worldview that can actually give a rational foundation for why nature will be uniform in the future. Otherwise, you're left with saying, well, it's always been that way in the past in my experience, which is begging the question. It's a logical fallacy. Unacceptable. Like I said, Bertrand Russell recognized that, and he did not give an alternate answer. He just said it's a problem in philosophy, something that hopefully you can figure out. So here's what the atheists will probably say to these things. Well, I don't have an answer now, but we'll figure it out someday. We'll figure it out someday. We'll, get, we'll, we'll be able to provide an answer for the preconditions of intelligibility one day. We may not be able to do it now, but we'll be able to do it someday in the future. And that is the essence of blind faith arbitrariness. It's the essence of blind faith arbitrariness. They're saying, I don't have an answer, but there probably is one. So accept that. Is that convincing? Is that convincing to anybody? Is that even an argument? It's not even an argument. Saying, I don't, ha I don't have the answer, but there is one out there somewhere. I'm sure of it. That's just being arbitrary. Just a conjecture. It's basically saying, I can't answer you. I can't give a rational reason, but I'm right. I'm right still, and someday I'll be able to prove it. Okay, That's arbitrary. If you want to be able to give a, a logical argument, you have to give reasons. Reasons. So the Christian worldview can already account for these things. It always has been able to. It can account for the preconditions of intelligibility like morality and um, uniformity of nature. Not a problem. It's actually very simple. But see, if you reject the Bible as the word of God, then you're left with arbitrary or fallacious reasoning. When it comes to morality, you will just say it's wrong because it's wrong, ultimately. Um, or you'll say truth is, or you'll say that morals are relative, uh, which is a self-contradictory way of thinking as well. Because 
if you have a worldview that says murder is wrong, but I say it's okay, well, we both can't be right at the same time. Okay, so how do we settle those debates? It's impossible to settle those debates. And it also, from an atheistic worldview, still doesn't say why anybody would think that murder is wrong or right. Because you can't account for morality itself, relative or not. But when they say, well, what's, you, you do you, you do your own moral standards, um, it's a self-contradictory thing because uh, they don't actually really believe that. Um, because if somebody were to rob the atheist's house and, and kill their family, well, they're going to be pretty angry. And I can see why. But from their worldview, consistently, they should say, well, he only did what was right for him. Now, maybe it was wrong to me, but it was right for him. So you can't actually um, really be angry at anybody because they're just doing what they thought was right. And you can't say it's wrong because then you're appealing to some sort of absolute moral standard, not a relative one. You'd be appealing to an idea that there is moral absolutes, that there's universal moral absolutes that everybody must abide by. Nobody's allowed to murder and break into people's houses. Well, I would say that nobody is allowed to break into people's houses and murder people. But the reason is, is because God made it that way. He's the one who, who put down a law on people which forbids theft and murder. So that's the rational foundation from a Christian worldview. From an atheist worldview, there is no foundation. So if you reject the scripture and are an atheist, you're left with arbitrariness when it comes to morality. You're left with arbitrariness and begging the question when it comes to the uniformity of nature. Which, in other words, means you're being irrational if you're an atheist. Which means that your worldview is false. Because there's no reason to believe it. It's irrational. It can't account for the preconditions of intelligibility. It doesn't act, it's not consistent with the world. So then, how do you bring this home to the atheist? Well, here's the kind of the foundation of the argument, is that you're saying your worldview can't account for these things, but I know that you still have morals, and I know you still believe in the uniformity of nature, and you count on it. So what you're saying is, to the atheist, the atheist, and what they profess, they profess atheism, but they're living as if they're living in God's world. Why? Because they are living in God's world. So why does this girl I talked to today say we shouldn't go around murdering people and slapping people in the face and stuff like that? Well, the reason is, is because she is made in the image of God with a conscience. That's the true reason. From her worldview, she can't tell you why. My worldview, I can't. She actually is living in God's world. She's living, um, made in the image of God, with natural law written on her heart to know that there is a such thing as right and wrong. She has a conscience that God gave her, Romans 2, right out of Romans 2. So that's why she knows. Romans 1 says that she knows God exists. It's obvious to her, and she's living as if God exists, and she is. But she suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. So these arguments that she'll throw at you are really just suppressions of the truth because she's a walking contradiction. She says no God exists, but she lives as if God exists. Because when she says, when she makes claims about morality, she's already assuming that God exists because there's no other explanation for universal moral absolutes. All you have to do, all, if you reject God's existence, you're reduced to arbitrariness when it comes to that question. And why does she live as though um, nature will be uniform. Why does she live as though the sun will rise in the morning and that the toothpaste will come out of the tube 
Why she lived that way? Because she knows in her heart of hearts, she know God, knows God exists. And she knows these things, that he put uniformity in nature. Now her worldview can't account for it. Her worldview is going to be unreasonable. It's going to be irrational and just say it is because it is or say, well, it's always been that way in the past, which is begging the question, the fallacy. So she's going to be appealing, borrowing, really, from my worldview to prop up her atheism. As Van Til set up, and she's going to slap God in the face by being an atheist and rebelling against him. The only way she can do that is by sitting on his lap like a kid sits on his father's lap. It's the only way the kid can slap his father's face. Well, similarly, that's the only way the atheist can try to slap God in the face is by sitting on his lap, or in other words, by taking the Christian worldview. And it's just assuming it. Now, unwittingly, of course, but they're borrowing from my worldview when they say, um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, straight out of the Bible. When they say that, um, uniform, that nature is uniform, they're going to argue with begging the question fallacy, so it's not a valid way of thinking. So they just accept it by faith. They just accept it by faith, but irrationally, because they have no object of faith. They, have, they are rejecting the Bible. So there's no reason for them to believe that nature will be uniform. But they do. They do believe nature will be uniform. Because if you didn't, you couldn't function at all. Because we expect everything to remain the same around us physically. That's assuming the uniformity of nature. I have, I have a rational foundation for why I know this desk will remain a desk. Because God said so. It's a rational foundation. If you reject the idea of God, reject the Bible, then you only have an arbitrary foundation, which is not a foundation at all. It's actually not an argument. It's not a reason. It's irrational. You see. So to sum it up, what's the point here today? Going back to the original question, how do you defend miracles in the Bible? Well, it really comes down to your worldview lens. The atheist thinks miracles are absurd because their worldview, out of hand, rejects the idea that miracles can happen. Why? Because they reject that God exists. Okay, but from a Christian worldview, it actually makes perfect sense, it's perfectly consistent, if you take the Bible to be the Word of God. You see, if the Bible is the Word of God, it says that He is the Almighty Creator of all things, so there's not a logical problem for God to do miracles, not at all, not even close. But if you approach the Bible with the assumption of atheism, you're going to think the whole thing is ridiculous. From the first, first verse, God created? No, no, no. The atheist already rejects that. You see, so it comes down to worldview lenses. So we, are, we assess worldviews, worldview lenses, atheism versus Christianity. If, you, if the atheist you know, rejects the Bible as the word of God, then he is reduced to irrationality, complete arbitrariness in these things, in morality and in um, uniformity of nature. He believes in both of them. The only way he can believe in them is by blind faith and from borrowing from my worldview. You see, appealing to the golden rule makes no sense in an atheistic worldview. No sense whatsoever. It doesn't make sense in mine, and he knows that because he is actually created by God. He's going to have to borrow from mine in order to make moral claims. Same with uniformity of nature. He's going to have to really commit a fallacy in order to, um, to, to give a foundation for why nature will remain uniform. Which is to say that he doesn't actually have a sound reason to believe that. But he does believe in uniformity of nature. And from his worldview, it's actually just blind faith. There is no reason to believe in uniformity of nature. He just does. So don't let the atheist accuse you of blind faith. It's actually, ironically, quite the opposite. It's the atheist who has blind faith and is arbitrary, who just says things are because they are. 
they can't give a reason for them. But if they want to, um, if you want to give, um, demonstrate that your worldview is not some blind faith, it's a reasonable faith, it's a rational faith. Um, because if you reject the Bible, you reduce to irrationality. If you accept it as a foundation, then that's the, it is the foundation for reason. It's the foundation for all these things. And you have very easy answers, basic answers that a little kid could answer you. Um, it's not irrational to say it's wrong because God said so. It's also not irrational to say it's wrong because, or not it's wrong, but to say nature will be uniform because God said so. It's not irrational at all. Okay, the only people who say that's irrational are those who assume atheism. Just assume it without proving it. So again, again, the point is, if you're going to step and look, am I going to accept the Bible as the word of God or not? Well, if you look at it, it says it's the word of God. So do, we, do you accept that claim or not? Well, if you reject that claim, then you're reduced to irrationality. If you accept that claim, it is the foundation for rationality and the preconditions of intelligibility like uniform, uni, uh, universal moral absolutes and uh, uniformity of nature. So the Christian worldview um, is the only consistent and rational worldview. Every other worldview is uh, irrational and inconsistent. That's what Christians ought to believe um, because all these worldviews can't be true at the same time. That violates the law of logic called the law of non-contradiction. Two contradictory things cannot be true at the same time and in the same relationship. For example, if I said my car is in the garage and then I said my car is not in the garage, those two statements cannot both be true at the same time and in the same relationship. Um, only one of them can be true. Either my car is in the par in the garage or it's not in the garage, one or the other. So it can't be the case that atheism and Christianity are tr both true because they contradict each other on foundational issues like does God exist? Um, God cannot both exist and not exist at the same time. That's irrational. So I am claiming, yes, that Christianity is the only true worldview and, it's, and therefore is the only rational worldview. Every other worldview, including atheism, is irrational. It's going to be arbitrary in the way that it thinks. So in the future, I am hoping to do a little review of that conversation I had with that girl this morning. Very intelligent woman. Uh, very smart, understands the issues, very fruitful conversation. I hope it gets to talk to her again. It was great. But ultimately, she did admit that when it comes to morality and uniformity of nature, her worldview is irrational, which I respect her for that. That is intellectual honesty. I really respect that. So I'm hoping to you know, maybe review that, uh, that conversation. It was about an hour and a half conversation, so I may have to split it up into a few, few episodes. But um, anyway... This was to provide a kind of a brief crash course in, in dealing with uh, miracles and kind of dealing with what we find absurd is based entirely upon our worldview lenses. So don't let people ridicule you um, about what they find to be absurd in the Bible um, because it's really based upon their worldview. They've approached it with the assumption of atheism, but atheism is irrational and arbitrary. So you have to get down to... Um, we both are looking at the same evidences. We have to get down to those worldview lenses, those glasses that they're looking through, and um, and really critique that and demonstrate that the world, the atheistic worldview lens that interprets the world for them is irrational. It's arbitrary and therefore untrue. 
it actually has to borrow from the Christian worldview in order to try to prop itself up. Which actually demonstrates that Christianity is true because they have to they have to borrow truths from the Christian worldview. So there you go. Um, you know, thanks so much for for watching or listening. Um, if you want to learn more about what we do at Full Armor Ministries, it's basically my ministry as a missionary. And part of the aspect of the missionary is this, is the online media ministry, where I do you know, the YouTube channel, we do Facebook, and uh, some podcasts like this. Um, and the podcast, of course, is dealing with apologetic and evangelistic um, issues, as well as abortion issues, things like that. If you want to learn more about our uh, ministry, our website's fullarmorministries.org, F-U-L-L-A-R-M-O-U-R, ministries.org. And on there, it details and you know, all of the things that I do. Um, if you are interested in becoming a financial partner, you also would go to the website. It's fullhourministries.org. And on there, there's a few places where you can you can donate. Um, right on the homepage, there's a couple. And then there's a whole designated donate page as well. Um, without donations, um, this ministry cannot happen. It won't be able to continue. So we really need more um, you know, donations from people. Um, to become like monthly financial partners. Um, we do it through through PayPal, so it's secure. So when you go on there, it has three default um, you know, monthly payments you can do or one-time gifts. We're looking for primarily monthly donations, if possible, where you can give you know, $25, $50, $100 a month, or you can type in any amount, $10 a month, $15 a month, something like that. Anything helps, okay? Nothing is too little. Okay, If you can give $5 a month, we'd appreciate that. Okay, um, it's really needed in order to support this ministry. Um, as the podcasts go on, I'll be discussing more about evangelism and abortion, which are the main aspects of my ministry. But on the website, it details the types of things that I do with that and um, what we believe about that. And as you listen through this podcast, of course, you learn a little bit more about um, my approach to apologetics, which is consistent and faithful, starting with scripture and ending with scripture. It's scripture through and through. I, I do not. Um, I'm not ashamed of the Christian worldview. Um, I think it's the only starting point you can have to have a rational worldview, like I demonstrated in this podcast. So, again, if you are interested in more information about the ministry or would like to become a financial partner, please go to our website. It's fullarmministries.org. Again, my name is John O'Rourke, the missionary in the Tri Cities area here in East Tennessee. And thanks for watching.